Ladies and gentlemen, okay, we're about to start the podcast. I got to put my radio voice on. So today in the house, we got Mr. Justin Housie, Ally Trucking. They're a logistics company out of Dorval. Uh, I've been trying to get Justin on the podcast for a while now. We've been back and forth. This, he's a tough guy to get in touch with. But in all defense, um, I had a little conflict in my schedule as well. So, but we finally came to this we had a whole day planned out we we're supposed to yeah. go for lunch after go play golf after and then how's he calls me goes uh hey man uh, there's a golf tournament that day i'm like oh fuck you're right I, we, can't, <laughs> we can't do that but thank you so much for coming to the podcast i appreciate today. you having me and um yeah thanks uh it's nice for you to be here absolutely what do you think of the office it's amazing yeah i love your golf simulator <laughs> so you're literally next door right next door 1405 did you walk over or did you drive drive oh my god how long was that drive 10 seconds 10 seconds 10 seconds right out of the just the, the parking lot into the other one yeah yeah how are things going for you over at the company it's going well it's going well man uh you know uh we were growing then during covid here before here sorry how's he before that let's yeah. get into what it, tell us exactly what you do let's start sure. with that so what we do is when we started, we were uh, a pure broker and then we'll a logistics broker, a logistics broker. Okay. So meaning we didn't have assets. The total cost around the company were salaries, office space. Now what we do have, we have owner operators who own their own trucks as well, who work specifically for our company. Uh, so they will go anywhere within North America. Um, and we will move any type of freight. So we move raw meat, we move, uh, for the trans Canada pipeline piping, uh, we move beverages. Uh, so we do a wide range of, uh, commodities, I would say. Yeah. Um, as well as non-commodities where you can make a bit more money, obviously. And, uh, you know, we started, uh, very slowly and we've kind of grown to what we are today, which is nice. How many employees do you have now? Right now we're at, uh, about 19. Uh, and you started ally trucking four years two, ago. Yeah. 2018. Okay. So, uh, uh, we have a partner in, uh, Monship. I think you, yep. you obviously, you know, Scott. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's a good synergy because they do ocean shipping. Yeah. And they were never doing over the road. And now, you know, we have a complete when a customer comes to us, we could offer them every type of service over the road. We do uh, customs uh, brokerage. We do uh, over the ocean. So it's a it's kind of we're trying to make it like a one stop shop, I would say. How did it get started with Monship? So or even even better, let's back up a little bit. How did you actually get started? with Ally Trucking. Why did you want to start the company? Right. You were working in the industry already before that. Correct. So tell us that story. So what happened was, is um, I was 17. I wasn't really going to school. Uh, and what happened was- School wasn't your thing. Eh? School wasn't my thing. So <laughs> what happened was I got a job at a company down here on the, the service road called Mantab. And uh, I was selling dry grocery. And so one of my biggest customers in Montreal was also a transport company's very big customer and they would put on an annual golf tournament. And I met the owner of this company and uh, he was like, you know, you should come to transport. It's cool. And back then I had no idea what transport meant, you know, 
Um, so I would just see this person once a year. It was like three years in a row. And finally, uh, I went to go see him at his office, you know, uh, and it was like pretty cool. It was hustle and bustle. People were on the phone. It was loud. It was, it was nice, you know, and boiler uh, room style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it was, uh, it seemed like it would be really fun to do. And so I leaped into that and then, uh, I was in sales. And uh, for this transport for, for company. this transport company, yeah. So I, I left. I must have been uh, twenty one. I left the food industry, went into transport, and then um, I uh, was doing sales with for this transport company, and I was doing really well. And uh, I was dating uh, someone that we both uh, that you know, obviously Hannah, and uh, yeah. we got married. I was twenty eight, and. Uh, Again, I was doing very well in sales and I said, why don't I take a shot and just open up my own thing? And, you know, you're like, oh, be your own boss. It's cool, you know. And uh, so she's like, OK, why don't you make a business plan and uh, show it to my father and like, we'll see uh, what he says. And so I did that. And uh, originally, my father-in-law was going to be a 10 percent minority stakeholder. Uh, in our business and uh, I was gonna obviously be 90% but Scott uh, my partner now is very good friends with my Mm father-in-law and so what happened was is Scott was visiting my father-in-law in in Florida Mm -hmm. and he told him that you know we're gonna open up this truck uh, brokerage and uh, Scott had said well why don't you wait you know we've always looked into getting into truck brokerage over the road transport and maybe we could work something out. And what was, so this is like a very strategic event, it sounds like. What was Monship doing before? So they were not doing trucking. And so they were not doing trucking. And But they did a lot of other things. And they what, do. what were those operations? So they, uh, their main operation is they uh, do over the ocean shipping. Okay. That's the main operation. They don't own their own vessels. So what they do is they pretty much represent shipping lines. Uh, one of their biggest shipping line is a shipping line out of uh, Hamburg, uh, and it's called Hamburg Sid. Uh, they own a reefer repair. They own uh, uh, shipping container yards uh, just, you know, to store your containers, things like that. So they and they've been around for 96 years. Uh, and Monship or the Hamburg no, company? Monship. Monship's been around yeah. for 96 yeah. years. Okay. So in, uh, I think in 2026, it's going to be 100 years. Wow. Yeah. 100 cool. years of business. And yes. Scott is the president of Monship Scott is now. the president. Ooh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, and it's good uh, that he is president because he understands what we're trying to do. And he yeah. really supports us in, in that way. Um, yeah. So that's what happened. I met with Scott. uh pretty much, I would say, five years ago. And uh, that's how we hit it off. It was like, okay, you know, let's try and work something out. We did work something out and uh, the rest is history. So basically your father-in-law has a bit of equity in Allied Trucking. Not anymore. Oh, he doesn't? Yeah, no, it's Did nothing. he cash out? Or like he never got he in He never got it. He never got in. He never got in. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. He never got in. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And so basically Monship came up and said, hey, so we already do this. What you guys are, go- what Allied trucking wants to do is going to complement our already existing business. Absolutely. We'd like to take an equity stake in your business. Sure. We'll finance you guys. Yeah. And exactly. So they gave yeah. you the cash to start the business. Correct. Yeah. How, how much, 
How capital intensive was it at the beginning to start the business? Because you mentioned earlier, the, the big overhead costs were by far, number one was by far the, the salaries for the employees. 100%, yeah. Like what else was, was, was expensive for that at the beginning? You want to know what? It, it actually isn't, there's not that much of a cost to start because mm. what you really need is a telephone, a couple of computer screens. And you know what? As a entrepreneur, you finally, you get to that point where you start your business, but now you're sitting in an office and you have nothing. You don't have a customer. You don't have have a sale you're like what am i doing you know so and that's really when you have to strap your boots up and like get going you know what i mean it's nice to say you know you started a business but if you don't have any revenue and you don't have any customers what is it you know what was the feeling when you started in the sense that because when you start a company and you have zero clients it's kind of the same thing i didn't have that feeling here at kbd because i didn't start the company right. but in ontario when we started i did and still do have that feeling like, yo, we don't have any clients. We got to go out there and get, and there's a certain amount of desperation that kind of comes along Absolutely. with that and going, okay, I've already sunk <laughs> in all these costs and stuff like that. I yeah. want to make sure that this doesn't fail. What was the feeling for you when you started the mentality, when you were starting allied trucking? So I, I feel the mentality still the same today. Uh, you know, someone once told me if you're, happy with what you have is kind of the day you start dying yeah so you know it was just me uh i was in an office started calling people because i also had a non-compete uh from my previous job so i couldn't go after customers that i had uh, had there so that was a bit difficult but you know what it's it's the same thing it's a numbers game you know you gotta get in front of as many people's faces you gotta call as many people as you can and today even more so because as you grow, expenses grow, everything grows, you know what I mean? And people, you know, me and you have spoken about this prior is that today I feel like I'm cut from an old school cloth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think, I hope I am too. Yeah, I, think I, I am. feel from our conversations, you yeah. are, um, <laughs> but you know, it's just like, you have to keep going and let, you know, when people tell you, no, it's, it's okay. That person's no, but let's call another 25 people. And yeah. you know, you're going to get a yes. yes. Someone's going to give you an opportunity. And what I tell a lot of our sales reps is that, you know, you're young. People may want to give you an opportunity because you're young. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's again, it's a numbers game right now. You know, how many doors could you knock on? And, you know, maybe the majority are going to tell you no, but that one account that tells you, yeah, you could grow into, you know, a great account for yourself. Yeah. The, the sales are, I mean, really good salespeople. If you think about it, looking at the amount of calls you actually make a really good salesperson is going to close what? I mean, cold calling is basically 2%. That, if you're good, good. it's a 2% closing <laughs> yeah. ratio. 50%, you never even get in touch with them. So I'm counting like every record yeah. that you're going to call. Yeah, so absolutely. 50%, you can't even talk to them. But hey, that's you're still calling them, making yeah. the calls. And then other people you actually speak to, a pile of them are going to say, fuck off right away. <laughs> yeah. A pile of them are going to go, they're going to dick you around. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Call me back. And they're never, never going to actually um, move forward right. with anything. And then you get a couple that are actually interested in you. You're right. It becomes a numbers game and yeah. you just, but you get better at identifying the prospects that are actually absolutely not dicking around and are, are actually right. interested or need to use your product or service. And so um, probably the same in your industry. A lot of the times what happens is that potential clients going to give you an opportunity. Yes. You'll give them pricing, yeah. but they'll take your pricing and go back to the person that they've yeah, been using and that. say, Hey, this is Can what I'm getting. This? Could you match it? You know what I mean? So it's tough. But it, again, I think, in our industry, 
you also building a relationship with that person is just as important as you know i guess in sales you got to be kind of a pain and i think building a relationship with that person you know having them call you or uh text message you whatsapp you i mean it's important to them because what i also say is these people it's a job for them they're not transport professionals you're supposed to be the professional guide them help them you know what i mean and so when you do those things for them you build their trust and that's kind of like the foundation of that relationship for that account you know what i mean what is your typical client like what does it look like so depending i mean we do a lot with freight forwarders and uh, a freight forwarder is somebody who again is a one-stop shop but they have offices everywhere they have sales reps everywhere so you're quoting on say a thousand customers just from this one account you know and so there's a lot of different offices and uh we have direct manufacturers uh we have uh again what i was talking about meat uh so we import or we do a lot of export for meats uh, going down to mexico there's a lot of people here in montreal that buy and sell meat into mexico Mm. it's a huge market really very big and uh so we do a lot of that uh a lot of beverages across canada um you know and those are what i say is some of those customers are pillars for our company they've been with us since day one and then you know uh customers like rona is just a it's a great customer to have you know what i mean it's uh when you have customers that are bringing you freight every day you want to keep them happy. You want to keep them happy, man. It's, 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 yeah, that's what it is. I mean, I mean that's the business. And then you also, you know what? The s- smaller mom and pop uh, places too, though, you know, they're, they're great customers to have. And it's, uh, you know, we try and treat, I mean, I guess the same for you is you try and treat everybody the same, you know? With, yeah, as much as possible. And that's what it is. And there's pros and cons to having really big clients and then the smaller size clients. The smaller size clients, you know, the reality of running a business is you can't keep every single client forever. That's no. just not realistic. In our and, in our industry, and, very much yeah, so, actually. And in most industries, yeah. right? And so there's. I was speaking about this with uh, Pat McGuigan the other day, and he had a really big client. And um, it uh, he ended up losing this client. And he, he goes, on the one side... It sucks because monetarily, this is a big hit yep. for my company. When it represents like a big percentage of revenue for the yep. company, it goes, that part sucks. But on the other side of it, it's actually, a, it's like, oh my God, it's like um, the pressure has been lifted because when you have clients like yep. that, they're very demanding, demanding. as they should be because yep. they're paying a lot of money, yep. but it's just, it's stressful. It is. And I, and I think that sweet spot is that medium-sized customer i would agree you know we're we're, i feel the same way about our our business it it, it really is and i think again you know just going back to pat's case is that i'd rather in terms of like having sales reps for me i'd rather have 10 sales reps do say twenty thousand dollars a month in profit than have one sales rep that does 200,000 yeah. or 150,000. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. you try not to place all your eggs in one basket all yeah. the time. And yeah. I think that medium-sized business is fantastic. And your projections, it's much easier to make yeah. projections just because of the fact that you know everything's just more consistent. And if you do end up losing the client, of course, it sucks. You don't want to lose the client. No, absolutely. But you're not going, okay, well, like you're not going, holy oh, shit, yeah. I can't afford I my mortgage right? just no, worth exactly. anymore. <laughs> you know, like and, and people do go through that. And I've yeah. seen... 
a lot of people go through that when they're selling to customers like a Walmart or like a Costco, you know, you're, you've now quadrupled the size of your business. You have this contract, you move into a big building, you're moving, you're getting more manufacturing things and then, okay, we're good now. We don't need you. And then what do you do? You know what I mean? So it's, uh, you don't want to replicate that kind of business. And that's what a lot of people that deal with Walmart or an Amazon, Walmart I've heard is pretty notorious for this, but like their number, uh, for example, their payment terms, I think they pay you after 90 days. Yeah. All the other companies are like 60 and they basically, so if you're logistically or the mechanics of your business, if you're not set up to, if you get a big order from Walmart, you obviously want to fulfill that order. Correct. And sometimes they'll have to put a lot of capital expenditures into the business in order to fulfill that order. Correct. And then, you know, they fulfill it once or sometimes they don't fulfill right. it and then they never get the order again. They're like, holy crap, I just spent all this money. <laughs> it's it's a very high risk, high reward. Play. Absolutely. And, and I, I and I think just the hitting on that Walmart thing is that, uh, you know, I used to deliver to Walmarts, but the penalties are so astronomical if you're not hitting appointment times and stuff like that I, for my particular business it's just not worth it going to a walmart hmm. so bad. who so who goes to them so there's there's people that go uh there's obviously a lot of people that go there course, right yeah. um they're they're huge i but, guess but like you said you know they give you the terms and you play within those terms and if you don't then they don't need you or would, they don't would, want you would it be like a let, let's say a multinational trucking company that would deal with Walmart. So if Walmart came up with these terms, they'd basically go, go screw yourself. We're not using those sure. terms. That's exactly. probably what ends up happening. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. yeah so like uh, bigger customers and, uh, or bigger carriers, but I mean, I'm sure at the end of the day, you're, you check your, your books and you know, there's fees that Walmart will give you that they'll pay just to be a like primary service provider for Walmart. You know what I mean? Huh? So right now you're 19 employees yep. and of the 19. So give us the structure at Allied Trucking. What's the structure of this 19? You got how many sales, how many? So the biggest uh, portion of our business is operations. Yep. Uh, people who will dispatch orders, customer service representatives, following up on orders, uh, you know, making sure carriers are where they're supposed to be on time. Um, and then when you, you know, say carriers, yeah. that's the actual trucks, Truck, the yeah. companies that exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, we also, uh, accounting teams, pretty, pretty big accounts receivable accounts receivable. I'll ask you that after yeah. what's, what's that like in your industry? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a few salespeople. We're opening up, uh, an office in Toronto. Nice. Yeah. yeah. How's that going? You know what? It, it's going okay because, uh, Monship has uh, an office there already. Yeah. So our, you know, as we grow, we'll grow into that office, which is great. So we have an office space there. But again, it's not as, uh, you know, people when you're hiring for transport, it's not like you're living downtown Toronto. Mm. You know, you're in the boroughs, you're in Scarborough, you're in Etobicoke, you're in Mississauga, because that's where the businesses are. Yeah. Most of them, you know what I yeah. mean? And so it's not, uh, you know, as luxurious as you think it may be, but, uh, it's still, it's, it's, uh, it's a big expense. And we actually have one of our sales reps from Montreal, uh, will be heading up, uh, our sales team, uh, in Toronto, August 1st. So uh, that's exciting. And, uh, you know, to grow your business, I feel like you need, uh, you need feet on the ground, man. Could not agree more. Yeah. You need boots on the ground yeah. and 
I thought when we were going into Ottawa, I actually dipped my foot in the water years ago. Yeah. Because yeah, we have to go through all this licensing and permits and blah, blah, blah. It takes forever. Right. It's ridiculous, but yeah. that's the way it is. And I dipped my foot in the water about five or six years ago doing Ontario, but from here in Montreal, right. I was doing it personally. Okay. Oh, this is going to be English. Uh, this is going to be easy. Everyone speaks English. Everyone yeah. speaks. I'm like, this could be a piece of cake. And dude, the fact that I was not there, people, the locals in Ontario are like, who are you? Right. Like, well, I'm this. I'm in Montreal. It doesn't make a difference. Hold, hold on. Hold on. You're, why are you in Montreal? <laughs> right. like, I'm in Ottawa. Right. Sir, it doesn't make a difference, but it, it mentally, doesn't come across No, like exactly. That. So, you know, we do have some customers in Toronto. Uh but I think that market's much bigger than Montreal's. And, I would agree. And, uh, you know, and I think, again, like we said, you need boots on the ground. You need people in in their faces. And I think that's how you grow. I think our uh, my industry is, is very old school still. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, getting in front of people's faces is really the main way of closing deals. What industry would you say it's not the main way of closing deals to actually get in front of people. Not many. Not many. I mean, uh, outside of tech. I mean, really, uh, it's really that tech bubble. But I feel like, you know, people think that's the way it is because tech is so big and and relevant right now that people only see that. And I think yeah. people feel like, oh, well, I could, if they could do it, I could do it, you know. But I, I like again, I, I think in our businesses, I think it's it's very important uh, have boots on the ground to be in people's faces. I think uh, that's that's the way I've done it my whole life, and, and it's I, worked. And it's worked. Yeah. And uh, you know, people have done it, and they've been extremely successful too. So, you know, if it's don't if it's not broke, don't fix it. So you've had a lot of success, obviously. Congrats on, on that. I always enjoy talking to you. This is literally the, the cool thing about this. This is like a just a lunch. Yeah, that's why is. when we we're going to have our lunch after, I'm like, well, what are we going to talk <laughs> about lunch? Because we're literally going to talk about it on the podcast. But um, you've had a lot of successes. What hasn't gone according to plan when you've tr when you're when you're trying to expand Allied Trucking? Because, you know, you're you are trying to expand the business. 100%. You're trying to get bigger. Yep. Um, what are some so we've actually tried to open up a toronto office uh a few years ago and when you when the owners aren't going to be there or stakeholders aren't going to be there i think you know when you hire somebody who you don't really know and you don't really trust uh it's hard we've hired people there before it just hasn't worked out um this time we're we're taking uh you know, somebody who's been with me for four years who we do trust uh, to grow the business. So hopefully that will, you know, be the key uh, for us opening up Toronto. And again, you know, I, I for my particular business, I know a lot of people say, you know, don't hire people, you know, don't hire friends. And, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And when it doesn't work out, it's it's obviously not a great feeling. That yeah, sucks. Yeah. Uh, but today, out of the 19 uh people that we have i think you know i've known probably about 15 of them hmm. prior to to even like starting this and uh and i feel those employees have been real pillars for the company people that you could lean on you know what i mean because when you are growing it's hard you can't do everything by yourself no nope. it's impossible and i don't like micromanaging people 
you know, obviously for sales, you see the numbers. If you're hitting your targets and your budget's good, if you're not, well, what are you doing? Um, I have a key person in operations who oversees all of that. Uh, somebody that uh, I could rely on. Uh, somebody who's very enthusiastic about the industry, who loves it, uh, you know, puts in more hours than he probably should. Uh, but you know, those people get rewarded at the end of the day. And, uh, so, so for me and growing allied, uh, it's really been people that I trust people that I've known. And, you know, there are, there are few people in my office who I haven't known and who have worked out really well too. And, you know, sometimes uh, the hiring process is a bit difficult and you hire duds, you know, so, <laughs> but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> and for, for this person that's going to run the office in Toronto, yeah. did you give them what on top of a regular salary, for example, right. did you give them like specific bonuses? Did you give them a stake in the business? Did you give no. them so, phantom shares? Did you give them? Right. So right now, uh, it's still kind of open-ended. It's coming soon. August 1st is coming soon. It's yeah. still open-ended. Um, obviously we're, we're, we're thinking we may obviously give him a, a bump, uh, in his base salary. Yeah. Um, so the reason why not phantom shares and why not a stake is I truly feel that our Montreal operations will always be kind of, um, the center specifically for operations. So mm. this person's going to go do sales. He's going to grow the business there for sales. And if need be, I always think that we're going to just grow our Montreal office in terms of operations. So everything will come back there because for operations, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be in Toronto. I think for him to grow a sales team, usually what happens in our industry is I that understand. one person will go. Yeah. You'll grow the sales. Now, if we hire more sales reps and you become a, a sales manager, maybe you'll make a, a cut off of everybody else's sales. Um, but you know, the, the operations will always stay in Montreal. Um, and, uh, you know, sales, we'll open up offices for different salespeople. You know what I mean? Do most of your competitors do the same thing? So they'll have yeah. like a, a, a hub for where the operations are run out of, and then they'll have the sales offices across the sure. country or yeah. different. That's and and, and like, but there are, so the biggest, uh, freight companies in North America are brokers. Um, and those people, they're doing billions of dollars. Uh, especially in the US. Um, and you know what, when you get to that point, I think it does make sense to have a whole team, a whole nother operation. Um, you know, and people um, even from our golf course who are in the same industry, you know, who have grown, who have been in business for 20, 25 years, they do have a whole operation, like a whole other office in different cities. And you know, if we could get there, great. You know, uh, and, you know, we strive to do that. You know, you don't know what's going to happen uh, in the future. But, you know, we strive to do that. But for right now, like, that's the that's the plan. You know, we'll keep opera operations here. You go sell. We'll take care of all your, your book of business. What's your longer-term vision for the company? Um, you know what? Like, do you want to expand services or do you want to just, like, keep doubling down on what it is that you guys are good at now and then maybe in five years like to expand services? No, that's not where the money is. You want to, like, what's what's the... So I, I think for right now we're going to, we're doubling down. And I, I think for the foreseeable future we're going to keep doubling down. Um, because, you know, we, you know, as time has gone on, you realize kind of what your strengths are. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, you want to keep tapping into those strengths. Um, but you know what? Off being able to offer uh, different services within your industry uh, is obviously something that we want to be able to provide. It's just, you know, when are we going to be able to provide those uh, solutions for our customers? Um, but, you know, again, it's... I mean, you, what, what different services would that be? I mean, air freight. Got uh, it. Air freight. Does Monship do air freight? No. They do not. No, but they actually just uh, acquired a, a company who does do air freight. And, uh, you know, you're, you're talking to them. You're talking about margins. You're like, how is that possible? He's shipping a box and he's paying X amount of dollars, you know, like it's so it's uh, there's big money in air freight. And, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, I would like to see us get into. But as of right now, we don't have a professional, you know, who's done it before. So, you know, let's continue doing what we're doing uh, and what we do well. And then hopefully eventually, you know, when the time comes, we'll hire somebody who's has like a proven track record or or who's done it before, you know. And maybe get into that, uh, you know, ocean shipping is is not for me. I don't, I don't like it. It's not your cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, and I think there there are a lot of people who are already in that market. So is mine, obviously. Uh, but you know, I I just don't know enough about it to to kind of get into it. Um, you know, I, I enjoy what we do. I, I think you know it's quite simple. Um, what we do, you know, you're going to a business, they're shipping, uh, whatever cups, meat, meat, shipping meat. All right. We're picking it up in Montreal. It's going to California. Great. Do it for me. Do it for me. Hey, this is the price. Great. Pick it up on Friday. Awesome. Go pick it up deliver it. Transactions done. You know what I mean? So it's very, it's our, our business is very transactional. So that is, it looks on the surface pretty simple but can you talk to us about the actual mechanics behind the scenes of when you're delivering let's take that example meat from point yeah. a to point b let's say for example it has to go through borders what's the value add that ally trucking brings to the table yeah. so uh something you know when you're shipping meat obviously it has to go through inspection you have to go through borders uh, and you know, if there's documentation that's not right when you're at the border, especially with meat, you're shipping in those in reefer, uh, vans. Okay. So Ref they're, they're, they're refrigerated. refrigerated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, you know, it's happened before where, you know, the border agents not letting you through something's not right on your paperwork. Uh, you know, weight could be off or, uh, you know, and so a value add that we do bring is, okay, we're going to let our customer know what's going on, but we're going to fix your problem. If we need you, we'll, we'll reach out to you. Uh, if it's something that, you know, you need to provide us with, but I mean, you know, there's been times we've had employees drive to the border to make sure to go get a stamp on paperwork. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, one of our biggest customers, we ship pet food, pet gear, uh, going down to Vermont. And, you know, we, every order, so say you're doing about 45, 50 orders a month, we're going to the border, we're getting our paper stamp, we're going downtown, you know, like, so we're just providing, we want our customer to be able, the, my main line is sleep at night. Mm. Hey, you give us the order, don't worry, we're going to take care of it. If there is an issue, I think in our industry, 
being proactive is something that you don't often see. You see a lot of companies being reactive mm -hmm. and having your customer reach out to you. Hey, like, why is this happening? And then you're giving an explanation where, you know, our our team, we try and let our customers know prior to them coming to us. Hey, this is what's happening. Uh, this is like our solution. Once it's done, we'll let you know. And, um, you know, uh, prior to coming on, you were talking about Uber. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people Let's asking about, about self-driving trucks yeah. and stuff like that. So because there's a lot of things just to add some context to that Uber right now, they're well, everyone knows what Uber does. They have Uber Eats, they have the Uber taxi, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And then yeah. there's a small portion of for a transport or logistics. I'm not sure exactly what yep. they refer to it as, but I know that they're trying to get into that space. It's still a very in terms of percentage for their overall revenue, it's pretty small, small compared yeah. to the other stuff, right. but they're still there. So yeah. I'll let you take it from here. So I, I have to say that I haven't uh, ran into any of our accounts that use Uber. Um, you know, uh, look, I think it's a big enough space for somebody like Uber. I don't think a lot of people uh, will deal with Uber. And and look, I, like I told you, I'm not really uh, up to speed on it. I don't know if they're doing parcel deliveries to people's homes, uh, stuff like that. But what I would say for, you know, highway trucks, over the road, uh, cross border, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it's difficult. You need, uh, you know, when you own a fleet of trucks, like, uh, you know, Uber obviously has money to, to, to you know, see this through. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not all, the grass isn't greener. You know what I mean? It's uh, sometimes, you know, I think because they have a name, I think they're going to charge more. Uh, I think, you know, and when you have such a large operation, you need to be able to charge your customers. And I think our industry is so competitive and I think in a lot of markets, pricing is is kind of solidified, you know, like Montreal to Texas, everybody's around the same price. It's what kind of relationship you have with your customer, mm -hmm. Montreal to California, uh, Montreal to Florida. So I think, uh, you know, anywhere in Canada to, the, to these destinations. So I think it, it's it's not going to grow as quickly as, say, in an Uber Eats. Uh, but you know, it could work out for them and you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Sure. So if I just heard the, the Elon Musk interview, he had a recent one on CNBC the other day. I love Elon Musk. So <laughs> he, he said that the question was with regards to open AI and the AI that's all going on. And he goes, Tesla is going to have a similar moment pretty soon. And the person conducting the interview goes, okay, how so? Well, he's like, we're going to have, you know, 3 million, 5 million, 10 million cars that are mm -hmm. going to be all driving autonomously. They're like 99% of the way there or 98.5. And it's, it's very close, difficult to get to the end where right. the car, there's little decisions. The car needs, the brain of the car needs to make. Yeah. And they're not there yet. But so to play devil's advocate for, for Uber, I feel like if Tesla's almost there, that means that they're the leader in this space in terms of autonomous driving, but yeah. Uber is not that far behind. Correct. So if Uber gets there, let's say they get to that 100% mark yeah. or 99.9% .9 mark within five years, mm -hmm. wouldn't they, 
I think it's very difficult to drive around here, especially in the winter, because the yeah. computer can't see the lanes. Yeah. But let's say it's just straight highway for a thousand miles. I mean, yeah. Why can't the computer do that? You know what I mean? I feel like that's when it's going to start kicking in and it's going to be good for the consumer, in my opinion, because obviously that's going to drive the cost down. It's going to be less expensive because you're not going to need an actual driver, driver to, yeah. to drive the trucks. What do you have to say about that? So or do I not I, know what the hell I'm talking about? I was <laughs> dying for, for you to ask me this question. So, um, you know, I think uh, a straight drive cross country, not cross border. Yeah. Um, the reason being not cross border is because there are in our industry, we also ship. Uh, less than truckloads. Mm -hmm. So you say, hey, Justin, uh, I have a, a, a skid of T-shirts. I, I need you to pick up in Toronto going to California. Great. But in that truck, there's going to be 24 other pallets of somebody else's freight. So when you don't have a driver and you get to a border and there's something wrong, what do you do? Is the border agent going to have to get into your truck. That's not going to happen. They're not going to, they're not budging. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think like you said, you know, nice weather, uh, you want to drive from, uh, I don't know, California to Texas or California something. to Texas. Yeah. It's like, uh, like you said, you know, a few, uh, or a thousand miles or whatever it may be, maybe it'll work. Um, but there's, there are a lot of things that could go wrong on a truck. So, daily we see uh you know truckers the truck breaking down uh mm. tires mm -hmm. you know it's still a moving object mm -hmm. that needs to be you know uh, for people like you need to update your truck you need new tires you need oil changes you need all this stuff so like how do you make sure that your truck never breaks down breaks down you don't you don't. So it's it's very hard. You know what I mean? And so once it does break down, does the computer know, like, do I just stop? Like, how do I let my customers now know, like, this is not delivering when I said it was going to deliver? And, you know, you said it's going to be cheaper because you don't have a driver. But I think the technology that you've now put in these trucks really outweighs having that person there. In the short term, yes, I, it's more capital intensive. But in the long term, I just because everyone knows there's a massive truck driver shortage. There is. And I don't see that changing. Do you see that changing? Not right now. Uh, well, right now, uh, you know, our industry kind of flipped. Um, so right now, uh, there's a lot of truck availability. Yeah. Uh, there's not as much freight. Um so prices are going down and down and down. Yeah. Um, more competition within your, your customer base. Yeah. Uh, margins aren't as good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, I would say, I'm not going to say rode the gravy train during, for two and a half years during COVID, but, you know, a lot of people did. Yeah, you guys a were making bank. A lot of people took advantage of their customers uh, during that time. Can you give some examples of how outrageous the shipping costs were? For example, I heard on a container to go from point A to point B yep. um, over the ocean yep. was at one point four times more expensive than what so it was here, in, the, in the past. Or easy for you to or easy for a lot of people um, today, China to BC. Yeah. You'll pay just under maybe two thousand USD. 
okay. per container, 40 foot container yeah. or a 20 foot container. Uh, during COVID, it was about 25,000. Oh my God. And uh, it you was know, 10X. Yeah. So these shipping lines were recording quarterly numbers better than years of, you know, what they were bringing in. And, you know, uh, during COVID, uh, I gained a customer. Uh, funny story is uh, my brother-in-law's in real estate. Yeah. And uh, this customer is a wholesaler and manufacturer of furniture. And, uh, you know, my brother-in-law's going to buy furniture for one of his buildings. He's speaking to the owner and he's like, you know, our shipping, it's just a disaster. We have containers stuck at ports. And uh, when you have a container stuck in a port, it gets very excessive in, in daily costs. And uh, so he's like, oh, my brother-in-law's in transport. You should talk to him. End up going to see him and this poor customer. I went to work for, at their office for about two and a half months with one of my employees to fix their issue. And uh, it costed them about two and a half to $3 million in fees. Um, because it was stuck at the port. Correct. So prior to COVID, these shipping lines would say, oh, okay, you're our customer. You need it to go to this destination. We'll bring it to your final destination for you. They'll offload the container and then we'll take the container back. During COVID, because they were making so much money with these containers, they want to get their containers as quickly as possible to the port of BC. They weren't bringing it to customers. You arrange your own transport. Get your stuff out of my container. I want my container back. My uh, customer had about 500 to 600 containers stuck at the port of BC. That all had to come to Montreal. Oh, my God. So not only and, you know, they're charging you. It's a daily thing. So like from one to three days after the allotted time given, it's 250 USD a day. Then from four to six days, it's 500 and it goes up to about $5,000 a day. So the, 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 the containers were stuck at the port. Correct. And this client couldn't arrange for a trucking company to come and snag it and take it. So what, what they had to do is because if you now take that container that's already late, yeah, put it on the rail, which is the cheaper option from BC to Montreal, yeah, offload that container. That container now has to go back to BC. Okay. So the cheapest option for them yeah. was... Okay, let's take this container. We're going to de-stuff everything out of the container in BC. We'll put the container back where it's supposed to be in BC. So it could be a two to three day turnaround. And uh, we'll just put your goods on a rail car to Montreal. So that's what we did. And, um, you know, thank God that this customer, you know, have been in business for a long time and had the capital because they were spent. I mean, I had their credit card. That could have bankrupted the company. A hundred percent. That Easy. would bankrupt most companies. 100%. Two and a half million bucks cash. Like, cash. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and uh, it, it was scary. And uh, what I go to, it goes to show you that I was spending more time at their office trying to fix their issue than their own employees. We'd be there first. We'd leave last. And you're like, and one time I just spoke to the owner. I was just like. I'm not understanding how, you know, I'm here to help you. Obviously, we're going to make a bit of money, but your employees like five o'clock, they're up, they're gone. They don't care. They don't care about 
that it's costing you millions of dollars, that your freight's not in Montreal where it's supposed to be or in Toronto. And they have they have huge customers, Bro and Martino, Sleep Country there, you know. And it was a sad, uh, it was a sad situation. Obviously, it's rectified uh, now, and but you still feel the effects of everything that happened during COVID and these high prices. You still feel the effects of it today because what he said is, you know, you want to charge me twenty five thousand dollars to get my couches from China to here. I don't care. The consumer ends up paying. Yeah, I'm just going to pass it on to the consumer. Exactly. Everything is passed down. And the people who pay are the consumers. And this is something that a lot of people don't understand. I've talked about this before on the podcast and other, you know, we've talked about this too. People think that, you know, these corporations are just going to eat that cost. That's not how business works. At all. Oh, pass a law where they have to, like, (laughs) you're living in la-la land. That's not how this works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're going to pass the cost onto the consumer. And so when policymakers and businesses, or there's all this added regulation, look, there needs to be a certain level of regulation. It can't be completely the wild, wild west. But, I mean, living in a place like Canada, I'm going over to Ottawa. Oh, my God. The hoops I have to go through (laughs) just to, like, they just love to regulate everything. They love paperwork. Which is... Canadians love regulation. We love it. Yeah. We fucking love it. And, and, it, I, and I, it's I, not it, always, and it's never usually in the business owner's favor. No. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's go on this rant now. Yeah, okay. Let's well, do I'll it. talk about let's this do shit. It. <laughs> Dude, I get so frustrated and people and people are just going to look at, ah, shut up. You're a business owner. You, you know, you have money or that's what a lot of people are going to say. And there's a whole other people that are just trying to make it. It's like, guys, you don't understand if, if there's no, business conducting itself or if Canada becomes a place where other businesses don't want to come here to invest all these things that we like about Canada. So for example, uh, our welfare state, um, social services, mm-hmm. free healthcare. How do you think like we have to pay for this somehow? And if there's no outside investment, if there's no tax revenue to help fund these services, yeah. this doesn't exist in Canada. Right. And there's a lot of people, I was watching this stuff the other day. There's a lot of companies that don't want to come to Canada, less and less. There's a lot of companies that don't want to come to Quebec specifically, less mm-hmm. and less. But it's not just Quebec for the language stuff. Right. That is a part of it. Yep. But Ontario too. It's it's just, it's not, there's a dark cloud over Canada right now. There is. Um, and it's it's sad to see because it's just mm-hmm. like, like everywhere I go for, for insurance, I'll give you an yep. example. Canada is basically, it's real estate. of the GDP of Canada is either real estate itself or the construction of real estate. So I go to these think tanks with other insurance brokers and what does everyone insure? Real estate estate. and contractors. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's literally the whole market. That's our market. There's nothing else here. Right. You know, it's, uh, you know, you saying that, um, welfare, healthcare, (laughs) you know, um, uh, (sighs) It's tough because I feel like we pay so much in taxes, but nothing <clears throat> is that good. No, you know what I mean? I and so, so that's the frustrating part. Um, you know, I, I think having uh, free health care for people is great, you know, for, for people who want that. Um, you know, uh, welfare um, is definitely something that I, I do feel you know if something is bad has happened in your life and you can't work and you you know you're going down 
that path. You know, I think. But I'm, it's gone. I, the the pendulum has swung to the other side, correct. and there's a lot of people that completely just abuse it, abuse it, and that's the issue. And you know, like, and politically, because you can't politically win by pulling back social services. No, absolutely. You can't not. win an election. You will not. So it just gets the the population just wants more and more and more and more and more, yeah. and it's all it's it's just the reality of politics. Right. You're not going to win an election by promising to cut spending on social services. <laughs> no, you're just you're not, not going to win. No. You're not going to win. So it's it's kind of like I sympathize with Paul I don't trust any politician, but I sympathize <laughs> with them on that. Like right. what if let's say you're in their shoes and yeah. you want to run for yeah. whatever. You're going to say I'm going to cut spending by 50% like you're not going to win. Well, but also too the person who's living paycheck to paycheck and who needs that, yeah. I mean, they're going to they need that money. Right. So it's there's a lot of moving parts, but I think the biggest part starts from having a vibrant economy. If there's good jobs, there's less crime. If there's less crime, more businesses want to come. come. If yeah. there's more jobs, uh, families are tighter. The, the, yeah. like the family nucleus is yeah. stronger. There's people are less stressed about um, yeah. living paycheck to paycheck. And there's this other thing I heard the other day. A lot of immigrants, there's a lot of immigrants coming to Canada. It's too expensive to live here. And they're like in Toronto, the average rent, average, I don't know if it's a one bedroom yeah. or two bedroom, but it's $3,000 a month. Yeah. So imagine you're coming here as an immigrant. Yeah. It's three grand a month. Uh, you can't go see the doctor because it's like no. a 45 hour wait. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah can't, you can't get a good job because you're overqualified right. for all this stuff. Yeah. Um, if you're a doctor, they don't consider your previous experience to go to, actually right. work in the medical because you, field. Because you have to take it whatever here, it right, is in Canada. Yeah. And there's just all these hoops and red tape to go through and no one is it's becoming government has gotten so big in terms of employment, even the and this isn't me. I got some slack on TikTok. <laughs> ah, you will pay as much as the government. And this is I'll, I'll say it now because right. even uh, the CFO of uh, the National Bank, one of the big banks in Canada. Okay. Yeah. He's like. 55% of the new jobs created in Canada since uh, the onset of COVID, so February 2020. I heard this other stat, it was 80, and I think that was, it came from, I didn't know this, it came from a, a conservative um, think tank, so okay, it did have yeah. a, that lens. Right. Yeah. But this guy here who's pretty... Yeah, well, he doesn't care, right? Well, they're, it, whether he's left or right, yeah. a bank CEO or CFO, they're going to be very apolitical with that For stuff. Sure, uh, he said 55%. But even 55% of the new jobs created in Canada since oh, February 2020 are government. Government jobs are not efficient for the economy. No. They suck out resources. Uh, 100%. They, they don't do. add anything. So if they you want to have this big state and everyone works for the government, I mean, say bye to all these social services. People don't understand this. And then they just go tax the rich. If you want to tax the rich, well, they're not going to, there's not going to be very many rich people because they're going to leave. Exactly. So well, same, same kind of concept would happens or what we see happening from people living in California going to Texas, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, at a certain point, you know, I think when you do get to a certain level in your life and you have enough money and, and you want to give back, like I, that's, you know, I, we've spoken about it. Just my view is. Obviously, you want everybody to be happy. Mm -hmm. It's it's nine. It's impossible. Not everybody's going to be happy with decisions people make. But fiscally, and you know, as having a business and running a business, with the money I make, let me take my money. Let me spend it. Um, don't tax me as much. And it and the reason being is just that. I'm going to spend my money how I'm going to spend my money. You're taking my money and doing what with it? 
yeah, you say you're going to do this, you say you're going to do that. And that's uh, going back to what you said. You know, you don't trust politicians. No. They're the most corrupt yeah. people on our planet. It's, yeah. it's it, like politicians. Yeah. <laughs> number two, I'd say probably bankers. Okay. Yeah. You know <laughs> They're what I mean? They're pretty high up there yeah, too. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it's just like, uh, and you know, fiscally, I, I lean more to, to that side. Obviously I, I think, you know, let people work, let people make money, let people keep their money, let people spend their money because when you're making money, you're going to spend it somewhere. Yes. Not everybody, you know, you make a thousand dollars a week. Just say you're not saving a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. You're going to take that money. You're going to spend it and you're going to put it into the economy. Yep. And like what you're saying, you know, it's going to help. Yeah. But by you taking if I'm trying to make a thousand a week and you're taking uh, 500 or 540 bucks of my money, you know, our services aren't good enough for you Don't to say. Don't forget all the costs, but we're just mentioning the personal income tax. Right, exactly. As a business owner, there's the payroll tax we yeah, have 100%. to pay. There's all this regulation. Yep. At least for your industry, it's regulate. I'm probably not like mine. I have like a, I'm a financial services. Okay. So it's like pretty highly regulated, right. but we have to pay the regulatory costs. I mean, you need an employee just to deal with the right, regulatory exactly. bodies. Yeah. We have like five of them. Dude, it's insane. And these people, because compliance has become an industry itself it you know really has. and there's like it it just it sucks out innovation and productivity out of other industries it really it does. does and people need to realize this and um yeah it, it gets frustrating and people just go like well you know uh, look at the us they're more capitalists and look at the gap between the rich and the poor okay is the gap between the rich and poor in canada as bad as us no it's not but it's gotten way worse last yeah. time i checked we're pretty socialist so we are the here, policies, yeah. the policies that they're do are, are implementing are not working. It's, it's like, I, I just get, and you're the guy here. Yeah. I probably need a, I need a handler right now. Cause I'm going to go off the rails <laughs> and stuff, but no, dude, it's getting ridiculous. Like it's, it, there, there's no new, it's a zero sum game for, for me in insurance. It's like, it's, there's no new business really that comes here. It's right. um, all the, the people competing for clients. Yeah. It's a zero sum game. So if I gain a client here, someone else loses it. There's no new business, business coming really in. coming here. Right. Because like, why the hell would you? I'd rather go to Florida. I'd rather go to Texas. I'd rather go to, yeah. and like, and they're winning. That's why they're winning. <laughs> they are. And you know what? A lot of people, I would say, you know, obviously those, I would say, uh, glamorous states, the, the Florida, the Texas, the uh, not California, but you know, but Midwest, I mean, when, you know, uh, I have cousins who live in the U.S., who live in Chicago, and, uh, you know, they make fun of us here. Uh, and, you know, they call it Socialist Canada. And, uh, dude, it's really, it's, it's it, tough. Because it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, it is. Look, uh, I think, you, you know, a lot of people are, are, are fortunate here. I think, you know, kind of where we grew up, I think the people we know were, were more fortunate and, you know, we don't really know what people go through on a day-to-day -day basis, but, no. um, you know, like you said, the more, I feel the more that government gets involved in your day-to-day -day life, the harder your life is going to yep. be. And, um, you know, uh, I think it's when the nanny state, yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of people that look, I'm not saying get rid of all social services. No, that's not what not. I'm, that's not what no. we're saying, but you need to have, 
and, and there's always different opinions right. for this. I mean, if we go speak to a, a social science uh, teacher, an urban planning <laughs> teacher from university, yeah. they're going to say, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the expert. But for us over here, it's like in order to have, if you want to have a nice place to live, you need to have a healthy economy. Yeah, always. I mean, yeah. Always. And let's, I'll give you an example. Detroit. When manufacturing left Detroit for all the car manufacturing, fell what apart. happened? That city fell apart. Yep. That was a great city. To, well, we we weren't was. alive, but that was like the yep. city back in the 1950s. That was the city, yep. the, the place to be. Crazy that you say Detroit. So my father's from Detroit, born in 55. Yeah. And Wait, your father? Yeah. Your dad's from Detroit? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. And um, he said growing up with all the manufacturing they had there, it was, it was, uh, it was just a great city. And everyone was working. Everybody was working. There was money. There you had was, a job. Yeah. You could afford to live. It was. Yeah. And then today, so his parents are, are buried in Detroit. And when he goes back just to visit his parents, like, you need to carry a gun on you. Wow. Now, yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, and but what I would say about Detroit is it's kind of starting to make a little comeback from, you know, obviously what it has become. But like you said, you know, when economies are good in 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 cities, uh, especially big cities, I mean, in, in any city, really, I mean, it's just better for the people, less crime, less, you know, people are happier. And, um, you know, I think, you know, money is the root of all evil. Yeah, I think. Uh, but, you know, money makes the world go around, too. Yeah. And if you look at the I read this this morning, I, I was shocked to read this from one of the financial post anyway, a canadian um news company okay it said the unemployment rate for anglophones is pretty high for francophone in quebec okay for anglophones is 10 percent. that's high yeah i was like whoa uh, and even for the uh quebec the francophone population it was six percent six percent unemployment is high and these are massage numbers right for sure because they always basically they keep changing the definitions and stuff of like employment that. right of employment, yeah. of GDP, of jobs numbers. And then what you'll notice, I listened to this podcast yesterday, PBD podcast, and the guy said, go look at the last 20 jobs numbers, the non, non-farm payroll, what's it called? Anyways, the jobs numbers yeah. out of the US. Yeah. Every time they come out with a jobs number, um, they always revise down the previous estimate. Oh, really? So he, yes. He's like okay. nine times out of 10. So he said all these numbers, yeah that are the gist of the story was not these numbers are a crock of shit, but they're very massaged. <laughs> right. So it's probably it, higher and worse than other, what they're showing. In other words, unemployment rate is a lot higher. Yeah. CPI is a lot higher. Yeah. I mean, inflation right now, when you're telling me that it's only, what was the most recent number in Canada? 5.2, mm-hmm. let's just say 5%. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that in the grocery store. You know what? And, um, just uh, getting uh, on that and, you know, you you were telling me before, you know, we have a lot of young employees. And so it's kind of a battle where you go through is, you know, you have your employees coming up to you and being like, you know, things are expensive, groceries. I actually had a conversation with one of my employees yesterday saying, you know, I used to go with 300 bucks to a grocery store, but I'd have a lot of food, you know, and now I'm going with 300 bucks and it's like, you know, I can get a lot. And, you know, when you were touching on real estate, it, it's hard because I don't see easy way of, 
these people or the younger generation being able to buy real estate. They won't. The question that they ask me a lot is like, how am I going to buy a house? And it's sad. Yeah. It and, is, and, you and know? Unless their parents give them money. Correct. There's there's no one that's working hard, making money, and actually saving for a house. You'll get the odd dual income if, you know, husband, wife, sure. boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. if they're very financially disciplined. Right. You know, if you have a nice car and you're going out for dinners and unless it's you're tough. making, yeah, unless you're making, unless you have a dual income of, you know, 150K plus. It's tough, man. And for and, you, and even at that, you can't have kids. You, imagine having two kids with a dual income, one hundred fifty k, buying a house in the West Island. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's you not happening. It. No, you can't do it. And uh, you know, like you said, you know, you're gonna if your parents don't have it, it it's gonna be tough for 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 them to to be able to purchase homes and you know, kind of grow up the way we did. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and it sucks because things have gone up so rapidly. But what's always, you know, gone up but stayed the same is salaries, you know. It, it, it's hard to justify paying someone so much more for the job that, you know, some of them do. And that's why, uh, you know, I feel bad. I, I You know, you look at them and you look at the situation and, like, what's going on and you kind of, you feel bad for, you know, like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to rent a place the rest of your life? I feel or, the same way. You know, so and I feel the same way. It's tough. You know, it's, it's and, and even myself, like, look, I'm the president of the company. Yeah. I live in an 800 square foot condo. Yeah. I don't live in this big uh, luxurious penthouse, you know, that, that a lot of people, <laughs> uh, you know, pr- yeah. people that don't know who I am, they're going right. to see me and go, ah, there you rich. You don't want to yeah. pay taxes. Screw you. It's like, dude, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not living in the high right. luxury life. I live a great life. Don't get me wrong. Right. And I'm very happy with my life. Right. But, but yeah, it's not, um, that's something you just said that you're happy with your life. I think if everybody was happy and stopped looking at what other people do and what other people have. I, I think as a society, we'd be much better off. Oh God. Yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> that's a whole, <laughs> you know, can because, of worms. Yeah. you know, yeah. and you know, we've hit on kind of different things and yeah. you're talking about tech and you know, people are on their phones, on Instagram, on TikTok, and you see what people have and you, do you have social media? So I have Instagram. Uh, how does it make you feel? You know, I, I look at the same like three, four things that I enjoy. Like, so Sports, I don't sports, girls. Uh, no, no, no. Like good. in your feed, I'm not saying you look, but like in your feed, yeah. I feel like every dude there's girls. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, but like I like <laughs> I like cars. Uh, I like to learn about watches. Okay. Um, so like I look at sports, cars, watches. Uh, you know, homes. Uh, I like the homes. Yeah, I like homes, and so like these are things that I focus like. I don't care about a 20 year old kid who drives a Ferrari. Like for me, that doesn't, it doesn't make me like, it doesn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm happy. Like you said, I'm happy with my life. Obviously, you know, I want more in my life, but I'm not, I'm not relying on somebody to give that to me. I'm going to go and try and get it. You know what I mean? And, And I think that's a mentality of this younger generation coming up and coming in is like, you've worked here for two months, but you want a 20% raise. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, I I would never even have the courage or, you know, the balls to go up to my boss after two months of working somewhere and be like, hey, I need a raise. Like, what? I think the disconnect <laughs> though, and I'll give some credit to them. I think the disconnect where this is coming from is the fact that life is so expensive for them. And I think they're probably looking at it going, dude, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. I think that's part of it. Yeah. 
It, it very know? well could be. I for, mean, for they're just coming up going like, bro, uh, like let's say someone who's making uh, sixty grand and they're yeah. living downtown and they have a car to pay for. <laughs> Tough. Your paycheck, the paycheck, bro. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, and I, you're not going out for dinners. No, you're not. You're not no, doing. You're uh, not. You know. You're but not. that's what I'm saying. So, coming back to that, if you're that person and you're making sixty grand and you're living downtown and you have a car and you're living the paycheck to paycheck, if you were allowed to keep a lot more money. Oh, baby, here we go. Wouldn't you be better off as a person? Because now that you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's tough. I'll give you an extra on your 60 grand. I don't know what the what you know what it could be. Yeah. But if I could give you an extra 600 bucks a pay, man, it adds up. Yeah, it adds up and it allows you a bit more freedom. It allows you to kind of compress when you get home, save you money, save money. Stressed. Absolutely. Yes. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people are, you know, like you said, living paycheck to paycheck and it's tough and yeah. it's, you know, it's tough to sit they, there. They, they just automatically, the mindset here, it's very prominent is tax rich, tax rich. They don't pay enough. They don't pay enough. They don't pay enough, but it's like, guys, okay. You want to do that? Go right ahead. See right. what happens. Because See what happens. What happens when those businesses leave? And but those we're already we're, we're so highly taxed already. This is where we, we see eye want, to eye. Right. We're already taxed enough, and you hit a certain threshold, you can't tax more because right. the the companies and the people who produce this productivity yep. are gonna leave. They're yep. gonna go somewhere else where it's not like that. Exactly. And uh, that's what's happening in Canada. Like Canada right now, the GDP yep. as massaged as the numbers are, <laughs> it's not good. And we've been declining in terms of productivity for for, sure. for years now. And you know, I think I w I was reading. I think California and Texas have a bigger GDP than the entire country of Canada. I believe it for sure. Texas for sure, and California for sure. I yeah. I don't know if there's other states, but California's GDP though, take out the tech. Well, it's like well, it's tough to say that because yeah. it's like it's tech. It's a big big part of it. Yeah. But outside of the tech, uh, from what I you know, I'm talking on my ass. Yeah. I'm not gonna say. That. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, Just yeah, in yeah, case yeah. Somebody fact checks this. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I, I I agree. There was this crazy thing. I mentioned this on the podcast I had with Anthony Bacardi, and Elon Musk. Yeah. He said, because they built the Gigafactory to build all the Teslas in Tex Austin. Somewhere, Texas. It was yeah. A, yeah. So in Texas, he said the amount of time it took us to actually build the factory, I think it was two years. Yeah. He said it would have taken more than two years just to go through the permit process in California. California. I would not e even have been able to put a shovel in the ground. Yeah. And in the same time frame, I was able to build the whole factory over in Texas. So it's like, again, I'll just come back to the same thing. I'm not saying we don't need regulation and this and that, but... What's happening right now, the quality of living, the standard of living in the past 20 years in Canada has gone down. Yep. It's gone down significantly. A lot of other places it has as well. I'm not saying throw everything out and screw socialism. That's not what I'm saying. But if you get rid of businesses, there's no tax revenue to collect mm -hmm. and to pay for all these social services. Yeah, I agree. That's the point we're just trying to make here. So there needs to be a balance. And if the balance right now is just basically oh, tax the rich even more, Guys, you want to do that? <laughs> Go right ahead and let's see what and happens. And I feel like you have close friends who disagree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but as soon as, as soon as you push them on like actual facts a lot of times, because they just point to the examples that they use, they'll just point to like big multinational corporations, which right. are greasy, okay? They do stuff. <laughs> um, they'll point to them, but here's the other thing. So all these taxes that you and I pay for companies that are like 30 or 40 or 50 employees, yep. 100 employees, we have to pay everything. Right. 
you get to the bigger companies and stuff, the yep. Bombardiers, do they get tax breaks? They get, th 100%. this is all government grants. A lot of times there is this company, I won't name the name of the company, mm -hmm. but one of, I was working with a headhunter okay. and he was giving a publicly traded company. Yep. He was giving these guys a lot of employees, like 80 employees a year, okay. big company. Yep. And um, I go, what's the average salary? He goes, oh, it's about this and blah, 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 blah. Because, um, yeah, they're all contractors. So for those of you that don't know, there's contractors. If you go work at a, at a company or you can be an employee, a contractor, the employer, yeah. your boss, doesn't need to pay the payroll tax. That's roughly like 15%. So example, you're making $100,000. The employer needs to pay $15,000 a year in payroll tax. So it's your salary plus the payroll tax. Right. And this company... Dude, like half their staff, they got away with having them as contractors. contractors. That's millions and millions and millions of dollars in savings per year. But yep. the government, when they get to that size, like the rules aren't fair. So Correct. it's it's. Well, I mean, just uh, specifically on Bombardier, I mean, how many times since we've been alive have our government bailed out Bombardier? They need to let that thing go bankrupt. <laughs> you know, so it's just like because well, it's, it's taxpayer dollars, and then the 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 leadership of the company takes a bonus. I mean, hey. and 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 then basically you have people calling for politicians to put like tax people or tax companies tax the rich more. What ends up happening? The the establishment don't get taxed. Correct. People like you and me get the short end of the, the stick, stick, and it yep. stifles innovation. And there's no new the the. Small and medium-sized businesses are the engine that drives an economy yep. and that produce most of the jobs. Yep. If you stop us and put regulations in where we can't create new businesses, that is not good for society yep. at all. I agree. I agree with you, man. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, it's we always talk about it. I feel you and I and, you know, nothing has changed. I feel like it gets worse. It's gotten worse. Um and you know, if you I, ask anyone in Canada right now, they'll agree. It, the the, yeah, the economy sure. and they just it, things have gotten worse since COVID. Like, <laughs> it hasn't been great. No, has not. It has not been great. Nope. And uh, you know, again, when you're talking about um, you know how many people we we have or have not working in our society. I mean, during uh, COVID and right after COVID, I mean, it was so hard to find employees. Mm. And and one thing is, you know, that first question that they ask is, hey, can I work from home? <laughs> like, you know, it's just like I, I don't the, the <laughs> mentality that you gave for people for those two years yeah. when COVID was a thing, yeah. um, you know, has really kind of like extended even to now, you know, people that we interview, uh, if it's their first question, you know, like for our you industry, you're getting you yeah. know you're getting it and it's not the right fit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this as well. Like, for my industry, I need people in the office. Mm -hmm. You can't work from home. Um, and because you're a, you're a boots on the ground kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, it, it's a it's a fast-paced industry and we like having our team in the office. And it, and it builds uh, a lot of things being together in the office. I agree. Um, and uh, one guy put it pretty well. He said you can operate a company remotely operate. He didn't sure. say grow. You can yep. operate a company remotely, but he goes, you can't build a culture remotely. And I agree with him 100%. So do I. And, uh, you know, even uh, just getting back to it, even today, you know, when you're interviewing people and they're saying, uh, 
what's the uh, work from home policy? And it was like, there is no policy. And so you come into the office every day. You know what I mean? And it's just like, and I saw something uh, Elon Musk said, uh, you know, getting and these big companies getting back to, no, everybody's coming in. Yep. And, you know, it's finally, it's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, because when those, the, the Apples, the Teslas, uh, all these companies, when they're saying, okay, work from home, everybody thinks you're Apple, you're Tesla, you know, and uh, it's nice to see kind of, okay, let's kind of go back to being productive and being together and, you know, and again, it, it builds, it builds something in your team that you can't build otherwise. Yeah, I agree. And Elon Musk brought up a really good point And he said the work from home issue, there was something that bothered that morally bothered him. And the guy goes morally, what are you talking about? He goes, well, look at, he was at the Tesla factory. He goes, well, sure. look at the factory. He goes, you have all these people in here. You can't work from home if you're building cars. Correct. Obviously you have yeah. to be in the office. So he goes, is it fair that all these guys are going to be in the office, uh, in the factory coming in every day? And then the other half were on their laptops all day that aren't the manual laborers right. that they can work from home. He goes, that's not fair. He goes, not, there's something wrong with that. That yeah. doesn't seem fair to me. Yeah. And so I get his point, but again, just to, I'm like a hybrid kind of guy. Okay. And then, but even sometimes too, we had, we we're in a pickle. We had to hire some people. They straight up said, I'm not, I am a hundred percent working from home. I'll come in like once a month. No problem. <laughs> it just doesn't work, man. <laughs> you can't, but, 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 Look, they, but I will, I will say this so, before I get in trouble. I don't sure. want that to get that. I don't want that to get clipped. They're actually really good at their job. Okay. They're really good at job, but this is where it's a little bit different. I think because if you want to have the core, I, I sound like a broken record. Cause I always say this, if you, the, the engine of the company. The core employees of the company that yeah. drive the company, yeah. 100%, they need to be in the office right. almost all the time. Yeah. If you have people that are kind of just the day-to-day -to -day tasks yeah. that are perhaps a little bit more repetitive, okay. I think you can get away with having them work at, at home. Yeah. So I'm guessing your industry, um, you know, you're my uh, insurance provider. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm your broker, baby. Yeah. So my only thing is when you guys need answers is it something that's like very urgent because like again like what i'm trying to get to is like so my business is so transactional and when we need an answer usually it's because something is going wrong mm -hmm. so for that person to be at home and you know what look i think people could work from home but you can tell me that you're not doing other things than working. Of course. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I'm yeah. trying to call you or somebody from the office is trying to call you. And, and you're not picking up. And yeah. you're not picking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's this fire inside of me that I can't explain to you. It just drives me crazy. I couldn't And, uh, you know, even when I'm on the road and, you know, salespeople are on the road and, and you're, you know, you're trying to get an answer from the office and they're not answering like it there's something like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like something inside of me. Like I just need people to pick up their phone and, and not I, it, again, working from home. Let's, or let's, let, let's actually dive down into this. And go. I know what you're saying. And let's actually say the part that we're thinking. Yeah. It's a natural skepticism. And For I sure. think you're the same way. Yeah. And I try and work on it. I really do, but uh, I'm going to be more honest than I probably should. We think as an employer, we think you're fucking around. And you know what? 
there's evidence because a lot of times they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so say, hey, if I'm calling you like 3 p.m. on a Friday and you're not, and you don't call me back till four, I'm not fucking stupid. Like, I know you weren't working. But wait one second. <laughs> How good are the excuses? That <laughs> yeah. they get? Hey, what were you doing? Oh, no, nah, I just my phone. It was on silent. Yeah. yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah, weird. It's never on silent. You know, it's just uh, I was answering emails. <laughs> yeah. 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 OK. So, I mean, uh, look again you know, fucking around or doing uh, whatever you may be doing. Look, you could have a family and your kids are at home and you're and you but you're just not being as proactive as you possibly could be. Yep. And uh, again, just because our business is very transactional and you need answers right away. For me, it's a comfort thing as well that you need to be in the office. And look, we we might have liked people in the past, but who didn't want to come into the office. But it's it okay. just, yeah, yeah, it just, it, it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't we'll see, work. We'll, we'll see in the long run, the companies that have this work from home policy, mm-hmm. 100% remote. I think that's ludicrous, but <laughs> anyways, yeah, we'll see where they're at in 10 years and we'll see where the people who are actually driving yeah. the economy, we'll see right. where they're at in 10 yeah, years. The I, people I that agree. have the employees in the yeah. office. And if I had to wager a bet. Yeah. Do um, you know any companies that are actually a hundred percent remote right now. Uh, I know small companies. Yeah. Okay. Like actual, any big corporation companies. Yeah. I don't know of any. Right. No, it's basically all the, um, you get all the people with, um, I'm not going to say that, but the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the cut there, there, there's a profile of people that complain about the fact that need to go into the office. There's a very specific profile to okay. that type of person, but most companies, I mean, I have, he said it on the podcast live, uh, Harvest, they're yep. still 100% remote. Okay. I told him, I said, I don't agree with that. Yeah. But it's his company, not mine. Right. So, and, you know. You, and we still use see. them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm guessing, like, you're using them because their service hasn't declined, obviously. It has not. not no, it no, hasn't. Exactly. It hasn't. So, you but know, also, too, there's, there's something to say. Like, Brandon, yeah. he's been very clear with this. He doesn't want to. He likes. He's very good at his job. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he doesn't want to be this big multinational right. marketing agency. Correct. He's just very comfortable with this. I got, uh, I think it's 10, 15 employees. Which is good, though, I'm man. I'm good with this, yeah. And, and to you know teach what? their own. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, it, it's good to have those people, too. Yes. It really, really is. And, um, you know, um, you know, uh, we know a lot of entrepreneurs. And, you know, some, some people that I do know, you know, they have three, four employees and they're happy. And you have some people who have... 10 or 20, but they want to have 150, 200. And, you know, so it's it's good. You need a mix of everything because it gives you kind of like a perfect balance at the end. You know what I mean? So it's... How many employees do you want? Honestly, so my biggest frustration, not frustration, well, maybe frustration today is employees. Mm. I never thought that the most or or the most difficult portion of the business would be employees. Mm. And that's exactly what it is. So yeah, I want to grow. I I would love one day to say, Hey, uh, you know, we do a billion dollars in sales or we do 250 or even like a hundred million or whatever, whatever the case may be. But with that many employees, it takes a lot of patience because every employee is different. Mm. Uh, you know, you need to try and get the best out of your employees every day. 
Um, and so, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'm going to go until I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have this really interesting quote that my dad sent to me. It's a Warren Buffett quote. Yeah. Here, let me go find it for you. Buffett on hiring great people. Yeah. Oh, whoops, I'm going to go off here. Okay, let's try this. What's he say? <laughs> i got to connect to the Wi-Fi. Damn it. Okay, hold on. Because him and Mr. Uh, is Charlie Munger on his way out now? <sighs> Dude, that guy's like 96. I know. It's insane. I know. But it's so knowledgeable. <sighs> I love watching them too. Yeah. All right, so here we go. Yeah. I'm going to read this. It's It's literally a minute. Stop taxi. I turn on. I always put an airplane <laughs> mode and then I'm out there and it's just like text, 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 email, email. What are you doing? Are you interested? This is a question, question. It's like, fuck, fuck off. Two seconds. Okay. Uh, put together. Let's start here. Where team, where team effectiveness is concerned, the impact ratio is roughly 90% team to a 10% leader. In other words, a great team with a mediocre leader nearly always outperforms a mediocre team with a great leader. Let me say that again. A great team with a mediocre leader nearly always outperforms a mediocre team yep. with a great leader. So just, and this goes without saying, yep. it's much easier said than done, but yep. all the best companies, typically speaking from my analysis of these types of companies, the CEO or the founder of the company, they're just fucking good at recruiting people and putting people yep. in the right places. That's it. They're fucking good at that. They're incredible at they it. They have the best people in those possibly that they could have for those positions. Yes. And they're usually quite charismatic. Yeah. It's like, I always, I always look, I really look up to uh, BFL Canada. B they're, they're Barry. Sky Barry Lorenzetti boss. Very good friends with my father. -in -law. Really? Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, very uh, charismatic. He's yeah. just like, you look at him like, Fuck, yeah. this guy's cool, yeah. man. Yeah. And um, what he built is nothing short of, of amazing. He's the biggest uh, commercial insurance broker in Canada. Okay, so this is just a quick question yeah. before you continue. Would that be somebody that you guys compete with on a day-to-day -day basis? They are, in reality, yes, okay. but they write, they're dealing with companies that are a lot bigger than what we okay. can okay. deal with. Okay, got it. So, but that guy there from, from my analysis yep. of him, uh, is he, was he good at commercial insurance? Of course, like, did he... Could he sell a policy? Like, yeah, I'm sure he was good at all right. that. What he was really good at was building a team of getting guys that can put the puck in the net. And yeah. it's just a matter of getting deals that they are motivated to work by. So whether that's giving them equity position in the company, yep. whether that's giving them phantom shit, whatever it is. Right. But he was just really fucking good at getting in a core nucleus of yep. guys and girls that could basically build the company. And it worked. Yeah. It's just a matter of like finding that and getting people to buy into the, to, to drink the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid, yeah, as they like to say. Yeah, right? and, f and feel as if they're, well, not feel, to actually be part of building something. Yeah. And I think as you make your employees or these like high level people uh, feel part of, you know, it's not just a job, it's like your business as yeah. well. I think you know, it makes all the difference because, you know, we both said it, it's very hard to just run a business. One person, you can't do it. It's, yeah. there's too many moving parts. Yeah. Um, and like you said, man, there's been people like Barry, I guess, you know, you, you know a lot more about his business than um, me, but you know, you have the right people around you and, you know, just see what happens. If you have like yeah. really kick-ass employees and kick-ass leadership, I mean, they're going to, your company is going to do really well. Yeah.
Absolutely. And you should pay them and remunerate them properly as well. Accordingly. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. of course. Yeah. But um, I think that's a good place to leave it off. Anything else you want to talk about? No. Your phone's ringing. Your brother's (laughs) calling. I know you got got (laughs) golf. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. No, but honest to God, uh, this was really enjoyable. It's... You know, you could get a, a lot of things off your shoulders that you want to cool. say. And uh, I'd Let be, me know ha- if you I'd be happy to come back anytime. Actually. Let me know. Let and me it's know. not far. Yeah. It's not far. So this is, uh, thank you so much, everyone, if you were listening. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Justin Housie, Allied Trucking, if you need any. Transport. Yeah. Over the road transport, whatever you need. Uh, let us help you. Yeah. If you're a business looking to, you know, transport meat fruits whatever the hell it is whatever it is give this guy a call i'm curtis killen president of kbd insurance so if you need home car business insurance check us out and that's pretty much it thanks for having me appreciate it bro i appreciate it ciao bye